virtually every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I am your host, Adam Dunn, and we are back in the uh, the dungeon, as we like to call it. Into the dungeon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we got a kind of a cool, full, cool show today. We got um, Mark Harris on the show coming on in about ten minutes. He's going to call in. That's Jack Harris' brother. If you don't quite catch that one right off the bat, he's going to be at the Seeds Here Now booth this year at the Emerald Cup, and so we wanted to get him on the show and see what he's up to. And what, what's what will he be doing? He'll be signing some some stuff. I think he's got a book, or there is a book, or something like that. We'll we'll get all the details. Um, I want to welcome you guys here. We also have Kevin Jodry coming on from Wonderland Nursery. And Kevin's been on the show a few times. He's an awesome guy, super uh, knowledgeable, great grower, um, doesn't cut corners. You know, that's the main, that's, that's what pretty much makes a good grower, right? Uh, cuts no corners, um, very East Coast mentality too, which is, you know, get the job done kind of thing. And uh, we'll have him on for about an hour. Uh, so we shall... Find out what's going on up there. And, of course, you know, he's right in the thick of it all up there in NorCal. So he probably, uh, I'm sure he's been getting a lot of requests for cuttings now that everybody's uh, recouping and trying to figure out their their uh, position and how they're going to do this year. And, yeah. So, uh, and then also, uh, let's see, we've got KTI maybe showing up. I don't know. I, th- I thought he was coming, but maybe not. We'll see. And we have MTI in the studio. What up? We managed to pull it all together again. Um, on the horizon, though, we think we may have another uh, location for a really nice little studio, and uh, I'll keep you guys up to date on that, because if, if it does roll out the way we think it's going to be, we will have a very central place in Denver that anybody who comes to Denver can come to, and uh, we'll also have a rooftop party space, all, all sorts of good shit, so keep you in the loop on that one. What'd you do this weekend, um, T.I.? Anything good? Nope. Nope. Well, yeah, no, I didn't do nothing this weekend. Or this week, this week I should have said. Yeah, so. well, this week just we are in the been weekend. working a whole lot. Got out of work early, and now I'm doing this. Torture, pure torture. Absolutely. Uh, so um, let's see what's going on. Everyone's just gearing up for Emerald Cup. It's just, it's amazing how uh, five years ago, very few people kind of was more insider. Everybody was like, if you were a real breeder or um, from NorCal growing and stuff, that then it was just a normal thing, but. It's become a huge international success. So there's people flying in from everywhere. Um, and it's, you know, I guess it's achieved, uh, you know, it's on its own. It's gone through the through the ringer of all these other events that go down. And, you know, it's like, it's pretty easy to rise to the top when there's a bunch of bullshit out there. And that's kind of where, where we've been with a lot of the events that just turn into giant money grabs. You know, and of course, people are going to accuse everybody of that. But at the end of the day, it's what you deliver that makes this the thing. So you know, you can it can cost money, and things do. You know, that's that's just the way life is. But as long as there's a delivery at the end, which is what Emerald Cup always does, which you know, that's what I love about it. You go there and you're just like, wow, this is a really well run event. Food is good. All those little you know, the little things that actually make a huge difference at the end of a, at the end of a weekend. 
And uh, what, what else? Oh, also, we have a, if you're here in Denver area, tomorrow, um, Saturday, which is, I guess it's Veterans Day tomorrow, right? Uh, we're having a hemp, uh, Hempway cookout in Brighton. Uh, you can check out on Hempway's uh uh, web, uh, Facebook page that's Carla Boyd and she's got her products she's got her, her um, hemp burger products and she's going to be having a dinner about 60-70 people and uh, we're going to do it's going to be like a donation thing so we're trying to get her some new equipment so that she can upgrade and get a uh, get into some of these you know Whole Foods and some of these bigger chains so if you're around for that I think it's going to start around noon and uh, contact us if you need details um, what else is going down? Uh, anything, anything on the news front that you've spotted in the last few days? Or uh, you haven't paid attention? Nope. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, somewhere just legalized recently. Somewhere? Remember. I just can't a remember. country or a city? I think or? it's a country, yeah, but I can't remember what it was. Eh, just some country, random countries legalizing. Yeah. That's how crazy it is getting now. It's just like, we can't even remember. We can't keep up. We can't even keep up with which country... I know it doesn't even surprise me anymore sometimes, you know, which is weird and, and it probably shouldn't be that way, you know, because every Was it Okay, let's let's try to narrow it down. Was it in South America? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think it was uh in Europe. In Europe somewhere. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Well, there you go. <clears throat> well, Germany actually legalized the sort of, you know, up to I mean, not legalized, but decrim all the places that were used to be so, like staunch hard fucking, you know, never going to fucking break places are all starting to fall one by one. So, it's a very nice thing to see. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else awesome happened. I just, I mean, pretty much I get all my news from Colbert now, so it's kind of like, I, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I pretty much wake up in the morning, I look at the monologue, and then I'm done. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at right now. He's so. not always talking about weed, so. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> um, so, uh, are you coming out to Emerald Cup with us, MTI? Or I'm thinking decided? about it. I think I might be able to... You should try to, to, you should try to make it happen, because yes. we are. We will be doing the ad scene, by the way. This is another announcement we might as well make. Um, so, if you're interested in getting involved, obviously contact the, our website, or contact... You can either go through the, the Adam Duncher website, or you can go through the uh, Facebook page. Contact KTI, myself, uh, anybody, tell them what you, you're going to be coming. We'll, 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 we're, it's an invitational, but the problem is because of the fact that it's at an event, we got to kind of like make sure you're going to be at that event. All right, looks like we got Mark calling in. Right on time, this guy. Welcome to the Adam Dunn hello, hello. Show. Welcome to the Adam Dunn. Is this Mark? Uh, this is Mark. And, and, and the infamous uh, man himself? I can, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. I can hear him in the background. Yeah. Well, oh, he's breaking up. Who's that? Good. Is that you breaking up or is that yeah. Mark breaking up? Mark, let me hear you. Uh, we got to get a better. We're gonna have to get a better connection on that one. Are you on? Um, are you on a landline? Or are you on a kind of kind of connection we got here? Yeah, so it's, I'm. Uh, I'm on. Am I better? A little bit better. It's coming. It's coming. Adam, can yeah, you hear me? yeah. Now it's starting. To, now we're starting to make all sense. It's basically, it was kind of like a. We had the discombobulated robot voice going on there for a minute. So, how you been, Mark? I've been. I've uh, been good. Nice. How about yourself? I've been doing good. I've been doing good. Um, getting excited for Emerald Cup. I'm sure uh, you too. 
this is going to be, you actually have a job now, right? <laughs> you have to do something when you're there this time. You're, you're going to be at the seeds here now, Booth? Exactly. Is that the, is that the plan? I will. Tell us what you're doing there, what you're promoting. Well, I'll be um, I'll be signing copies. Uh, we've got the box sets available, which has his first book, uh, Grass. The Grass Book, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, Grass was written in '73. Have you ever heard of it? Of course, of course. I had, a co- I had a copy of it. Yeah, I had a copy of it. Back oh. there. You know, Amsterdam is okay. always – Amsterdam right. is one of those all places right. that you, you get access to all that kind of crappy stuff, you know, back in the day. But actually uh, – um, uh, uh. so Jack's – yeah, that book was really cool because it was, it was good cartoons. I liked the style of it and everything. It was definitely um, ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Um, also very tongue-in-cheek, you know, the whole the, – because at that point in time, it was kind of interesting how like yeah. in the 70s, they kind of had that moment where they thought it was going to be legal. So he was kind of at the cusp of all that. Yeah, your brother's uh, your and brother, that's, and that's actually something that, I, that what's that? And that's actually something that I just brought up with him. We were talking earlier that his his uh, that Jack actually ran for president twice for the for the Green Party. Right, he was way ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, right. We could have could have. Yeah, done. he was hanging out with uh, he was hanging out with Ben Maisel in uh, in Wisconsin, and uh, I think he pushed him to run. And yeah, that was that was a wild time. It was a wild time. So, what's your age? What's your age uh, yeah. gap between you and Jack? What was how, how how much of a difference when you guys were growing up? Well, uh, I was born in '65. Dad was born '39. So, what? He was 24. Okay, almost 24 when I was born. He was 23. That's a big one. <laughs> That's a big gap right there. No, it's uh So, did you guys? Um, no, 26. And did you guys? Because uh, I mean, that's a huge age gap. So, when you were growing up, was it like? Was he a, a, like a so, big? Was he like a big brother, or were you guys kind of distant in that sense? Because he was already no, off doing his thing. Uh, dad, uh, dad, and I had a very unique relationship. We're both Gemini's. Uh, he's June eighteenth. I'm May twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and um, I just turned fifty two. And uh, we butted heads a lot, but I was the one out of everybody who kept following him into the muck. Right. Uh, I was I was the monkey on his arm at eight years old in 1973, walking around the streets of Santa Barbara, California, collecting signatures with him. Right. Um, my folks divorced when I was two, so I don't know if I was a chick magnet for him. Oh or yeah. What, oh, oh, but, for for yeah. Jack, of course. I mean, come on. We know we know Jack. <laughs> if you know if you know Jack, you definitely know that you were 100 percent the chick magnet for him. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, I mean, like you know, when I was uh, when I first met Jack, I was in Amsterdam, and I think it was around '93, and uh, it was interesting for me because I had read the book and I'd carried it like across the ocean on a boat when I was sailing, and I was explaining it to people all the chapters and trying to, you know, so like I was so like deep into it by the time I actually met him because I was working at the Hash Museum at the time. Um, and wow. but then I also but that was the that was the Jack that I saw right away. Jack was like. Hey, ladies! It was like I was like I was like trying to get his attention. And I was like, "Hey, I'm over here. I got this weed. You might want to check out my weed." He's like, "Check out your mom." I was checking out my mom more than the weed. Actually, is what it was. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Which now? Adam, how old are you? I was born in '69, so I'm a few years younger than you. I'm like uh, five years okay. younger than you, four years younger than 48? you. Yeah, just turned forty-eight exactly. And 
you know, so it was definitely like, I think he was one of the, I mean, I've met a lot of famous people over the years, but it wasn't famous people that I like thought I knew their brain a little bit because I had read so much uh, kind of over and over and not even so much, just over and over and over and over and over again. And also repeating a lot of the things he said to other people. And then, you know, it's nowadays when people who don't understand, like a lot of people just think your dad was a breeder and they have no idea. I'm like, the guy never bred anything in his life. You know what I mean? He has nothing to do with breeding. Like if you think that's the guy you're thinking of, it's not the guy, you know what I mean? Um, but he was, uh, he was definitely politically a charged individual. And, uh, did you, uh, did he get in trouble? I mean, what, what happened over the years? I'm sure he must've gotten himself in some trouble too, right? Uh, you know, dad, uh, Dad's, dad got out of more trouble than you could ever imagine. Uh, the closest dad ever really got to getting in trouble was, let's see, I was 14, dad was 41, and uh, dad had to have uh, his appendix out. And uh, he ended up spending uh, 30 days in the hospital because supposedly they used a dirty scalpel or something like that. So they had, right. they had to open his wound back up and clean it three times a day. It was pretty horrible. Yes. But, uh, um, so he was, <laughs> he was smoking pot in his room. And, and so I was 14, that was 1979. So in his hospital room, uh, he's smoking joints all freaking day long. Everybody that came in, he was dealing weed out of his <laughs> hospital room. Right. And, uh, the nurse, the nurse's station was right outside of his room. And they would come in and say, you know, you can't smoke that in here. And he's like, call the police. So literally, they called the police. The police walk in and, you know, they don't see the scale in the closet or the big quarter pound of weed. <laughs> and they're like, you know, you, you can't smoke in here. He's like, arrest me. So they walk back in out into the hallway and say, uh, you're on your own, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that was very much, so, that was uh, very much his style, 100% right there. Um, so, so during the writing of of the Emperor, because that's the one that I mean, Grass of course is the first book that he put out. And Emperor, I'd say would would be the most you know famous out there or infamous. Um, how long did he work on that for? Oh, let's see. He went to. It's funny. You asked me if he ever got, and immediately I think of the time he went to prison. Uh, so I think he actually worked on it for about four years. He went to prison, a uh, federal penitentiary, on a 15-day sentence, got out after 14 for good behavior. He, uh, he said he put on a pound while he was there, and, uh, and the drugs were better inside. But that was the last time that he had two weeks straight without a phone ringing off the hook. So that's when he started to compile The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, and then, he, and then with Chris Carr, because actually, it was interesting is that when I was working for the Hash Museum back in Amsterdam, um, Chris Con, they hired Chris Conrad to um, help with the uh, with the museum and like to change it from the 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 uh, hemp. Uh, sorry, the Hash Museum to the Hemp Museum. You know, and that was part of that was mostly because of Jack's visit there. You know, when Jack came, everybody was like, it was funny too, because when I first got there, I had his book and I was showing everybody and they were like, yeah, we got it. We got that book. It's up there on the shelf. But I was like, well, why aren't you guys doing something about it? Because you guys have a museum. You know what I mean? I thought it seems kind of logical that if you have a hash museum, you should have a, an area devoted to hemp, you know? And they were really just kind of like, 
Yeah, I'm sure you've been to the one in Amsterdam, right? You've been to the Hash Museum over the years, Mark. Mark, <laughs> did we lose I you? Oh, never have you been, been to Amsterdam? Oh, you haven't been there. Okay, sorry. I've never been to Amsterdam. So basically, when he came through, it was like all of a sudden the book came off the shelf, and they they hired Chris, and Chris turned the changed the name to the Hemp Museum instead of the Hash Museum, and kind of put it on a different path. You know, and it was. Uh, it was great to see, and one of the things that stood out that Jack had told me it was, you know, the only way we're going to ever know if this stuff really works, is, uh, this is kind of based on his $100,000 challenge on the back of the book, um, but he said the only way we can actually do this is, or prove this is to do it, you know? So it was kind of like his way of fooling right. every, fooling everybody into doing it so that they can prove it. And, you know, to this right now we're coming to this really exciting moment where we have tonnage of hemp, and we have all the materials that we, so it's going to be interesting to see like what holds water and what doesn't, you know what I mean? Cause obviously you can't hit every single thing. Can't be correct. There's got to be some, you know, close, but not quite things, you know, but it's going to be pretty exciting times to see, um, the fruition of the, the ideas that he has actually put out there over the years. Are you involved in anything like that? I'm thinking in the next decade. Well, I'm thinking in the next decade that a lot of, Hope you know myths will be you know distilled and mm-hmm. a lot of truths will be told. Uh, the evolution, uh, <laughs> the revolution of the whole movement is coming to a head right now, and people that never would have bought into this before are buying into this. Not only for the fame and fortune or the fortune that is uh, possible, but you know everybody. You know, most smart people now can think, you know, that they can actually do something and make a difference in the world. Um, Am I involved in stuff like that? Uh, um, You know, I was on the front lines with my dad for decades. So I, I can't... Say that I'm currently uh, involved with any of that, but it is a continuing mission. Um, yeah. you know, I would like to see the outside as it kind of got to. What's well, definitely uh, going to? You guys hear me? Okay, we okay. Yeah, it's going. We're we're we're, we're going to adjust. We're trying to get like a better line of uh, sight on our on our Wi-Fi here for for your for the Skype part. I think we're going to get it. We, we got we got. I think we got most of it. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, yeah, I, I think it's going to be exciting times to see, uh, you know, more than just the 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 fuel fiber and medicine part of it all because that's what you know that was his 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 uh, mantra basically, and now oh, we're yeah. and now we're taking it to like you know. Uh, you know, capacitors and 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 technology, you know, high tech stuff that is above and beyond even those three basic things. Um, you know, the other interesting part I feel is that the uh, the world just seems to be way, like we we kind of forget that the rest of the world had not made it illegal up until this point, and we were the only ones that did. And the markets are like, for right. instance, for instance, in Thailand, they're growing two hundred and fifty thousand acres right now as we speak. You know, and I'm like, wow. That's a lot of acreage that we never even knew was happening, and that's but but they've been doing it traditionally for thousands of years. So that for them, it's just another yeah. it's just another agricultural crop, and that's um, I guess the stigma that we have to get over. Now, um, the 
the, what you're, the book that you're signing. So, you, so tell us a little bit about the book and about what's going on with that. Dad's book? Oh, so are you signing posters or are you signing – what are you signing at the, at the uh, Caesar Now booth this year? What's your uh, – I'm actually uh, – The grass book? I actually yeah, am you, signing – Yeah. No, I'll be signing The Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll – so it comes in a box set with the Emperor, the Grass Book, and the DVD, The Emperor of Hemp, the story about Dad's life. Oh, nice. Uh, um, so essentially, I've been I've been signing Dad's books since uh, the fall of 1990. We were on fall hemp tour back in the Midwest and uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and Dad had to hop on a plane to fly to uh, Anchorage, Alaska, to debate Edwin Meese, who was the current drug czar at the time. Right. Uh, so uh, so he had to take off. So I actually spoke in his place at four or five events on that loop. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's when people started asking me to sign his book. So I probably signed thousands of copies in the last nice. 27 years. Right. So I'll be uh, mostly I signed The Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody wants me to sign anything else, I'm always happy to. Sure. Um, I'm still happy with – I'm still proud of my my signed uh, emperor from him. I still got that. Like I've had a few people – like everyone wants to borrow it all the time. I'm like, no way. You're not borrowing that one. I'll oh, give you, I'll, never a signed copy. I'll give you the new version, which is fresh, you know what I mean, and updated even. Exactly. I, I still got the green, the green and white one, you know, the, the roll, and I rolled it up and carried it like around the world with me. So it's pretty. Speaking of speaking of that, isn't it now it's a sixteenth reproduction, which makes it uh, in print for over thirty one years. Uh, Eighty five is when it originally came out, so thirty two years, and I think we're on the twelfth edition right now, or a revised twelfth edition. You might even call it the thirteenth. You, you know what was amazing? You know, uh, you know what was really amazing was the German uh, translation that they had done back in the day when they actually made it hardcover and everything. I mean, not, not that we could read it and see if that was, but that was, but the the way they put it together right. was amazing. It was, uh, you know, and, and they even had hemp uh, in the in the composite and things. It was a great great addition. Yeah, I've uh, I've also got a French copy. It's now uh, being done in Japanese. Uh, yeah, everybody, everybody ships a hemp, as it were. Right. Yeah, no, and it's, and it's great because it's like a lot of timeless information, and you know where a lot of it back in the day was a little more esoteric because we didn't really have it in front of us. Now it's actually like more of a guidebook in a sense, and it actually, I mean, it's, he's inspired so many people to start their hemp companies. I mean, I, me included, and it was always like, you know. It's always nice when you make an impact as a as a activist, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people out there who are putting their you know sort of lives on the line and blood, sweat, and tears into something, and then once it's either you know passe or whatever, and cannabis is getting like to that point where it's almost like you know people are, are less they're a little more blasé about it now, you know? Like back in the day, they had really had its uniqueness, and now all of a sudden we're getting to that phase. And I just tell everybody from the day one, I was like. Cannabis, that's, just a, that's a tiny piece. Look at the hemp side, because that's where the, the major changes are going to happen, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've gone to a couple of the, uh, the cannabis events uh, this year uh, in Salem and Portland area, and uh, it's amazing how many people are brand new into this industry, literally sort of like one to three years old mm-hmm. in this industry, who don't even know who the hell that is. Right. 
Well, it's also and, it's uh, kind of a litmus yeah. test right there. Like, if you don't know who Jack is, then you definitely haven't been in it long enough, and you really are. Then you don't know Jack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <it> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about years ago, and I talked, <clears throat> I think uh, I talked to... Um, I can't remember who I was talking about. Somebody was somebody that was with Jack that was represented, but I basically was saying we should make a um, a jacket, like a Jack Harrow jacket. You know what I mean? Because he always wore that. Uh, he always had his like uh, his uh, jean jacket forever. Like you know that was he's pretty legendary in most photos in that you know back in the day. So I felt like we we almost should make like a. Uh, personalized jacket oh. <laughs> with little quotations around that so in the future if you want to if you want uh, if you ever want to do that if you ever need I, what i would need is some yeah. samples of what his because i'm you know the thing is fashions every seven year cycles so hit whatever he was wearing right. at some point in time it's going to be fashionable again you know what i mean so when it, when you see that yeah. coming around when you see the the uh the hippie hippie jean jacket look coming hard again which you know again all that stuff is is new again right but I would love to do it. I would love to do a hemp, yeah. uh, hemper's uh, jacket. You know, that'd be great. Uh, well, uh, you remember uh, Dad's uh, teaching tee, as it were, had the big Hemper Victory logo on the front of it. Oh yeah, 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 for uh, sure. You had to have seen him wearing that. Yeah. So I've actually made a uh, uh, a Levi's type jacket. Uh, nice with the uh, Hemper Victory logo on the on the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the teaching part of it with the ship on the back with all the eight eight bullet points or something like that. Right. Fiber, fuel, medicine, mm-hmm. uh, food, uh, et cetera, textiles. Um, and then on the, each of the sleeves, I think one was the ten thousand or now hundred thousand dollar challenge for the world. And f- also from the back, it was how many people have died from marijuana and versus other drugs right. annually in the United States. So I love your idea of the jacket, as it were. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, you can you, and believe, steal it. Go ahead. Steal it. I don't mind. seems like you already did it at this point. So I'm like, oh, there you go. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, but no, it's awesome to hear. Uh, did you make it out of hemp, or is it a... Uh, unfortunately, no. Mm. Uh, and I made them on the fly. It was right after, it was right after Dad passed when we went to... Uh, and I just made one for me and the guy that was going with me. Right. Had Dad's signature on the front breast pocket, and uh, and then the rest of it on the back and the sleeve. So yeah, so, yeah. so Jack was a little bit I like of a, the way you think, Adam. Well, he was an entrepreneur too, like, and that's the thing. It's funny. He was born June eighteenth. I was born June fifteenth. I always feel like there's a lot of Gemini's uh-huh. in this in this industry, and it's sort of like I was always like, yeah. Every time I meet somebody, like, wait, wait another Gemini? But you know, he has that kind of like rapid fire, rapid fire thing going off at all times. Um, and uh yeah so definitely uh would love to help you uh turn that into a hemp hemp jacket at some point because that that would really speak volumes you know because that is usually the biggest problem about being a hemp guy is that the minute people start questioning you like well what are you wearing you're wearing hemp is that what are those shoes those are leather right. you know what I mean and you're like yeah well we don't have them. and then back in the day it was because it wasn't available now it's available it's just a matter of you know right. making it happen um so where you, so you live in Cali I'm assuming right uh, I've been in the Portland area oh, for Portland. the last nice. uh, almost nineteen years. Oh, right, sweet. Well, north northwest is, uh, I guess, comfortable enough. And uh, so, you uh, will you be uh, doing any kind of beyond the Emerald Cup? You guys going? You going on any kind of tours or anything? Or you have any kind of events coming up? 
Uh, well, the Emerald Cup is the next stop. Uh, I am uh, I am creating a brand uh, called Hair Cannabis Company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the millennials have, generally speaking, no idea who Dad is. Right. Uh, so uh, the company will be more about me, um, all the while paying homage to Dad and teaching. Uh, people about history and mm-hmm. our history in this movement uh, and our future history. Um, it's all about education, but uh, we will be uh, growing and uh, and hopefully selling cannabis uh, sooner than later. So, um, so we'll be talking about hair cannabis. Uh, is it gonna? Is it gonna uh, say? Are you gonna have it where it says "hair"? Sounds like terror because I mean I know that's his. That was his cat. That was his catchphrase back in the day. Maybe now not so. Not such a great one, but yeah, I remember that was how he no, always. He always would tell. Totally everybody. right. Mm-hmm. Definitely a phrase you never want to say in an airport. Right. Yeah, it's like terror. Uh, you know, terror. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I am constantly teaching people. Uh, how to say it and pronounce it. So yeah, we're always uh, we're always sowing seeds, as it were. Um, yeah. Well, it's good to hear. I mean, the, the thing is, that one, of the, one of the stories I tell a lot of times about Jack was, and it was kind of disappointing because, like I said, I, when I first met him, he was definitely, uh, you know, kind of like thinking five seconds. He was, whatever he was thinking was not what we were doing. You know what I mean? Like we were sitting there doing stuff, and I handed him a bud of bubblegum when I first was doing my selection of bubblegum and I was like, oh my God, Jack's coming. I got to give him a bud. And then I was all proud of it, but it was pretty fresh, right? I hadn't quite dried it out yet. And he took it and smashed it up and rolled like the worst joint ever and then just threw it on the ground and was like, that's ah, crap or something. <laughs> and I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was so disappointed, man. I was like, man, that was my hero. And now he just threw my weed on the ground and said it sucks because it didn't. Oh. And then he was, but he was, and I remember because his eyes were not focusing on what he was doing at all. And when he was rolling the joint, it was like just a big mess. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure you're familiar. <laughs> he was a bit of a pot snob at some point, yeah. Sure. A kind of a combination of the two, though. He was a bit of a pot snob, and then at the same time, he also didn't give a shit sometimes, too. You know what I mean? It's just as long as it went in, like, you know, it burns, it's good. It wasn't like he didn't really want to get into the exactly. nu- to the nuances of it all. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and then I, and then exactly. I, took, him, and then I yeah. took him over to, uh, to do a speech over at um, Homegrown Fantasy, which is a coffee shop in Amsterdam. And so we walked from the... Uh-huh. We walked from the shop that we were on through the damn square to the other shop, which is maybe like a 10-minute walk. And in that walk, he told me the story about – he told me the whole mushroom story that he was working on with, uh, with you know, Santa Claus and mushrooms and the connections between religion and, and mushrooms and stuff. And so I was, I was – and while I'm, and the whole time while he's doing that, he's like offering me mushrooms. And I'm like, ah, I'm good, you know. And then he offered me some acid and then proceeded to take that. And I was just like, oh, man. I was like, man, this guy is – going for it right so then we get to the place and because i was because when we got to the spot he had to do his speech once he got into speech mode he was like kind of in remote control at that point and he started bringing up the story about right the first time he made love on weed and i was like i don't know this is kind of going and he really got into it you know it was like getting into it deep and everybody was kind of like oh i don't know it's kind of getting weird the story right and i was like i kept i kept brushing my i was giving him the, the signal like you got to go back you got to go back to this focus focus you know what i mean and he finally and he did and uh but it was it was quite a funny uh, quite a funny experience it was one of those like 
like, wow, this guy's way more hardcore than me. That's for sure. You know, like it was only two, <laughs> two in the afternoon on a Tuesday, you know, but he was in Amsterdam. So who cares? Yeah. You know, at that point you don't care. It, but he was a rock star. I mean, that dude, I mean, you know, when we were on tour together, I would always try to give him, you know, like little, uh, little speech cards, you know, with just indicator words on them. Like, yeah. okay, hemp. You know, or fuel. Okay, you knew the whole thing about fuel. You know, yeah. He would he would wander off and he would trail off often. Yeah, that was his thing. Uh, that's what I noticed too. And I was like, hey, it's a little bit off the subject, you know. <laughs> but but that's okay. But as long as nobody like you know uh, jumped in and like got him off course, he could just roll roll oh. with it. Oh my god! Yeah, I tell you, the best speaker, best speaker, the person that I knew would take us over the top was Gatewood Galbraith. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, he came to Amsterdam. That uh, uh, he came there that same with with Jack. I met him all together, hung out with him all together, and stuff. So that yeah, that was the most life <laughs> and eloquent speaker I had ever heard. Yeah, the first time I met him was uh, fall of '90. We were going through Kentucky. He was running for governor again. Right. Uh, and his entire platform was hemp to reemploy the, the, the American farmer sure. in Kentucky, especially. And um, so we, he, uh, we were driving my dad's partner's motorhome on my own. So I am, I am, I'm gearing up to go on tour myself mm-hmm. uh, right now. So, uh, this is an awesome time in my life. Nice. Um, so, uh, Gatewood gets on the Revcon and he sits down and he's smoking a cigar. And, um, like, uh, I can't like tell this man to put a cigar out. So I like, open all the windows and, and somebody rolls a joint that's as big as his cigar. And he's just puffing on it. Hardcore. And he is so high. His eyes are so red and they're so closed. Oh yeah. And he went into his speech uh, if you've heard him speak, I mean, you'd know. I mean, this guy, rapid fire, amazing. And back yeah. in 1990, right. he blew my socks off. Yeah, he was awesome. And, he uh, was awesome. And then we uh, we went on tour the next day uh, with Willie Nelson. That was an amazing day in the life for me. Uh, we had all we had eight people on our tour bus. Uh, and uh, whenever we'd get into every town, you know, Dad would always scream to all of us, put the signs up first. It was hysterical. We all learned to laugh at it. Um, um, so about 6 o'clock in the morning, we all, like eight of us, are in one uh, room in a Motel 6. Dad's sleeping out in the motorhome. And we had heard that Willie Nelson was coming in town. So at about 6 in the morning, this line... This never-ending line of roadies was coming into our room, stepping over the body, taking a shower. They would finish. Another roadie would come in, swap out, and like eight of them did that. They were all coming off of Willie Nelson's tour bus. What the mm-hmm. fuck is going on? So I walk outside. I see the tour bus. I knock on the door. I walk inside. Oh. <laughs> Willie Nelson sitting right next to him. I'm like, what's going on? Dad invites me in, introduces me to Willie. Right. Um, and uh, they're just smoking the fattest joints. Dad told me that, uh, you know, they smoked all night long, and Dad was rolling these huge, hellacious joints. And as soon as they'd finish, Willie would say, is that all you got? <laughs> right. Yeah. So That's he funny. just kept rolling joints all night long. Mm-hmm. So the next day, uh, we start out at the uh, state capitol 
I believe. We, there's a whole tour bus uh, of the press, uh, TV, radio, uh, print, and uh, they're following Willie's bus, and uh, our motorhome was the third vessel in line. So we started out at the state capitol on the, on the steps, beautiful morning, and uh, this is the fall of hey, 1990. Jeff. So, Yo, Kev, just one second. We're, we're still got we we'll get back to it. Wait, just one second, Mark. So we got Kevin Judry uh, okay. jumped online, but he can just hang in. The, he, it's fine. Don't worry. Continue the story. It's good. You can just hang in there for a second, and we're gonna so, uh, we're gonna finish this one. No worries, no worries, okay. guys. Just calling in. Yeah, perfect. So, um, so uh, Gatewood Galbraith is on the top of the steps. He's delivering this speech, and he's like six four, six five, six man. And Willie Nelson is considerably smaller than him, so he's standing right next to him, and he's got the long hair. And um, I'm standing at the foot of the stairs, kind of behind the press corps, and Willie gives me this look. We had this look. We didn't say anything, but he gives me this look like, I hope you can appreciate the magnitude of this moment, being Jack Harris' son. I hope you can really appreciate what's going on here, what we're doing here. Right. And I've been in this my whole life. I'm... I'm 25 years old at this point, and, you know, it, for me, it's like Tuesday, and I'm thinking for Willie, it's like Tuesday. Right. And, uh, and uh, but we have this amazing connection in this, you know, 5 or 10 or 15 seconds while he's just standing next to Gatewood. Right. And uh, I tell you, it's been a hell of a run. It's been a hell of a run, and I'm so looking forward to the future. Oh yeah, I mean you I got think, you you, I think you the got the world's going to turn on its head. You got to see front row from the, the you know anybody in the hemp industry, uh, the the highs and the lows and all the in betweens. You know what I mean? And it's also like one of those things where you know it's it's such a long road at this point. We're talking you know everybody's like your dad's been in it for you know what was in it for would be now like forty <laughs> plus years or whatever. And you know we're all just kind of like seeing the light now and it's going to be an interesting next few years like you were saying the next 10 years all those things that jack uh, dreamed about or you know put out there and put in other people actually made other people dream about is really what he did because uh, he was just like i said rapid fire throwing it out at you giving you facts that need to be checked and that's a good thing because the only way to check it like he said was to do it which means sure i'll looking to grow tons of hemp and make sure that it actually does what it does and if it doesn't score every single point like we you know ever that's that's okay. If it even scored ten percent of the points, we we will have a, a huge revolution in our hands, you know. And uh, we'll still have total victory. Oh, hundred percent. We'll be doing it all the right way. Yep. And aren't you proud when you go to like a Whole Foods yeah. and you see hemp products all on the shelves and stuff? I mean, that must really oh, yeah. make you feel extra giddy just because you know that you know all you know, people who were around before it actually existed, but you also you know probably got to see it as it rolled out, you know, and those things are pretty awesome. I, I, well, I, I tell you, yeah. when I, when I knew we were going to make it eventually, uh, so I think in the mid nineties, so in oh, just about every mall in America, there's a shop called the body shop, mm-hmm. which sells soaps and lotions and candles and whatnot. Yep. Uh, so the lady that owned them all, who passed a few years ago, her name is Anita Roddick. Sure. And uh, she put up a quarter. She put up a quarter. Dollars to make that, and uh, <laughs> she subsequently, right around that time, came out with four or five or six products. Uh, 
and their logo was a big pot leaf. It yep. was a silver wrapper, yep. and one, one of the products was called Elbow Grease, and they were all hemp oil-based products. Sure. And I'm in a, I'm in an airport in, like, Philadelphia, and I see a kiosk from, like, 100 yards away. And I'm so super tuned into a pot leaf, you yeah. know, since I'm a child. I see this pot leaf across the airport. I go running across the airport, and I see it in this little window in this cute little kiosk. Uh, elbow grease. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that was like around 93 or something like that, right? It was around 93. Yeah, 94. 94. 94. Yeah. Actually. Because we, what's really funny is that, so she sent, so I had my shop in Amsterdam. I had my hemp store there. And so it, uh, she actually sent over a buyer, and we knew that they were coming. But they never talked to us because they walked into my spot and they were just like, "We are absolutely not working with these people." Like it was like so obvious that we were not body shop. We were not body shop guys, you know, at all. Like we were hemp guys, and they 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 knew that we were the guys that they needed to talk to to get the hemp seeds and to get the product. But once they walked into my spot, like we actually saw one woman come in with a giant hat on and glasses and walked in and like walked around for like two seconds and walked right out. And then like about an hour later, I was like, "I'm a hundred percent sure that that had to be the fucking lady because she did not want to talk." to us like, <laughs> she was like no this is weed so, people. Uh, uh were were any of you dreadlocks or anything like that i mean uh, what was, i was what a you, i was a hit the turnoff was what's that what do i think about what what do you figure the turnoff was oh yeah no we were definitely uh, we had a bunch of uh pipes and obviously it smelled like weed because i was downstairs probably puffing away and so I would always be smoking in the basement, just kind of plumes of smoke coming up from the basement. So, yeah, I'm sure it was a, I'm sure it was yeah. a big turnoff. So, um, okay, so Mark, uh, you got a website that you want to direct people to or um, any Facebook pages or any kind of most social media stuff? Uh, not yet. We are just creating the brand now and until we're 100% ready to, gotcha. to rock and roll. Uh, I believe we have a couple of sites, but they are inactive at the moment. Okay. But it's Herrer Cannabis Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be at the Emerald Cup. Um, my partners and I uh, will be reaching out for uh, looking for, I don't know what the right wording is, the partnerships. Uh, sure. licensing agreements. Uh, yeah, we're looking for some partners out there who... Uh, nice. Who, uh, yeah, we're creating a brand, and I and I think there's, uh, as as a lot of people would think, that there's a lot of potential in the, in the, in the gene pool that I come from. So we're going right. to play. Sounds good. Sounds we're going to rock it. Well, we'll, be, we'll be hanging out. I'll be, at the, I'll be there, probably sitting right next to you. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah you guys will be hanging out at my booth. Exactly. around, smoking weed. There I look forward to meeting you, Adam. Yeah, well, we've already met, but you'll, you'll re-meet me, and you'll be like, oh, that guy, that guy. So, uh, yeah, sounds good. Um, cool. Uh, thank, thank, thanks for letting me uh, call in today, Adam. Uh, I, I meet unique uh, individuals like himself uh, along the way on the shows, at the, at, the, at the trade shows. He told me who he was. I was like, no, you're not. That's like right. a good call there. For right. sure. I need, I need to see some ID. Thanks I for, asked him for his actual ID. He, he, he was like, nobody's actually ever ID'd me before. I said, no. I said, everybody made OG Crush to come up with this book. Right. You're some asshole that sells seeds. I said, I need to see your ID. But, cool. Well, well thanks, thanks James. Going, got Kevin online, so I got yeah, Kevin on the you. line. We're going to jump into that in a second. Um, I'm going to do a quick shout out before we do that since i got to pay the bills here, Kev. You know how that goes, right? Thanks, Mark. I know you know, I know, you know yeah. how that goes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mark. Oh, yeah. Take care, Adam. Take care. Talk thanks, to you soon. James. See you in a couple. See you in a few. Bye. Oh, all right. Well, let's pay the bills here real quick and 
out of the gate, we are going to... New Millennium. New Millennium, coming here on the 17th, right? Yep. Okay, so on, on the 17th of this month, we will have New Millennium in the studio with all their new products. But in the meantime, go to the website, check out the, the line. Um, also, get onto the calculator, figure out what it would be for your particular situation, kind of price it out, see if it's not... You know, and also, listen to the show, because I'm sure you can get some... Giveaways, because they love giving away stuff. Yeah, they're always giving away. Always giving, giving it away, as usual. You can go to newmillenniumnutrients.com, check out the website, um, or just tune into the show in a couple weeks, and then that's even easier. How is it, two weeks? One week. Uh, isn't it next week? I guess it's next week. Can't yeah. count. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, we're right, 17th, next week. Boom. So listen to the show next week, and find out what this stuff's all about. Got to bring the new... Uh, the new uh, what was it called? The, uh, Carbonara. The Carbonara product, right? I think they're going to be giving away a bunch of that. Bellissimo. Sounds good. Um, and next on our list. Oh. Uh, so I'm, using, I'm using KTI as my, as my, as my point. Shaggy's out to Incredibles, right? Incredi- we'll do some edibles. Incredibles edibles. Number one edibles here in Colorado. Now going nationwide. Nevada will be there. I'll be there next week. I get to see if they are really available. That'll be interesting. Um, but also California. And they were in Puerto Rico. I don't know what's going on with that. But a couple other spots, too. Was it Massachusetts moves. they were coming into or something like that? I don't know. There's a there's a never-ending list. But if you want quality, then these are the guys you want to talk to or just, just buy their stuff and eat it. You don't have to really talk to them. But um, they have a consistent brand with uh, they grow their own product so that's where you know that that's where the consistency comes in because you know who can buy stuff off a bunch of people and expect to have some sort of standardization nope. can't do it but these guys do and they uh, match certain f- strains to certain products which is awesome so you get real you know 100% those terps in your, in your product and uh, also if you're interested in terps they have uh, all sorts of deconstructed materials they've got all sorts of uh fun stuff to you can pick up and you know that whenever you see their brand if it's the gold label it'll be in-house if it's a black label it's going to be grown by them i mean in-house as far as the, the dispensary you're standing in not in-house for them in-house for them is black label um, but you go to iloveincredibles.com check them out uh, and uh, they also have a store finder and uh, great with new website too real easy to navigate next we got build a soil build a soil jeremy uh Great source of hard-to-find uh, IPM products and, um, you know, no-till products, things that are, you know, you go to a normal grow shop and it's just like they're handing you a bottle, they're drooling, they don't know what they're doing, they're, ah, bottle, grow. No, these guys know exactly what you need. You give them a call. Everybody who works for them is uh, 100% knowledgeable, so it doesn't matter who you get on the line. You can go to 855-877-SOIL, call them direct, or you just go to buildasoil.com, pull up the site, do the the modern way where you don't actually talk to anybody. I like talking to people. I think it's good. Well, but you can talk. talk you can talk to people, but they do have all the info on their website. They do have they the info on all website. their stuff listed, so it's uh, it, it cuts out the the needless points. So when you do talk to somebody, you can be concise mm, and get exactly yeah, what you want. I guess so, but I actually like talking to people. So <laughs> give them a call. Uh, kind of quiet now. There's sometimes a year you're never going to get to talk yeah. to the man himself, but you may actually get to talk to the man himself. And that's always a nice thing. We'll have him on the show soon too because. Uh, you know, he's it's been it's been a been a little bit. Yeah, and he had some uh, root wise. I know. Was, oh uh, yeah, root wise yeah, is going to come on the show some too. Sounds good. And we've got Wow Wallace. Wallace. Oh, yeah, that's Wallace. Yeah. Give me the website because I always forget it. WallaceWow.com. WallaceWow.com. We have to say it like that too. Oh, yeah. um, 
Wallace, Mr. Ron Wallace is is like I should actually call him up and just see if he wants to jump on the line because I want I always want Kevin and him to talk because it's like always the it's got right the uh, well it's East Coast you know it's East Coast real guys who know what they're doing growing properly. If you go to uh, Ron's website, he's got a bunch of great mycorrhizo products and rhizosphere based stuff. He's also got um, you know if you. Uh, He's got some programs, and he's got some seeds, too. If you're interested in growing big pumpkins, contact that man. He's the world record holder. Not this year. This year he did a combo. His genetics combined with it was a pumpkin-squash yeah, hybrid. It was pretty intense. 2,000 pounds. 2,022 pounds or something like that. Amazing genetics. So if you need uh, genetics, give him a shout. If you need some right mycorrhizal products, if you need some other rhizosphere improvement and soil improving products, give him a shout. And... Uh, Tell them we sent you, of course. And that's it, right? Oh, no. No, we got, we got one the more. Biggest, no. oh. Speaking of seeds, right? Oh, Seeds, seeds here, here now. now. Well, yeah, we kind of started with him. But oh, I guess a, so. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Seeds here now, James Bean, man on the scene, who was just on the show 10 minutes ago. That all rhymed. You see that? Uh, <laughs> he is your source for genetics here in America. Uh, all the top breeders. He's got about 30-plus 30, 30 breeders, all-American. Uh, good old American. America. But... Uh, some of the top breeders, uh, directly from them to you. Uh, he also is uh, got a 100% guarantee, which is unheard of in this industry. So you got a problem with something, you just tell him, boom, he replaces it for you. So that's a pretty stand-up uh, policy right there. Also, you can go to cedaholics.com and check out the, the auction sites. Hard to find, last things, all sorts of crazy combinations. But on top of that, a lot of charity in there. So if you want to go check it out, especially nowadays, with all the craziness that has happened this year in NorCal, get check out those uh, those uh, auction sites because they're going to help. And all that, like whenever there's an auction site and it's for a charity, then all that goes to them. It's not like, oh, we give a piece. All it, phew, straight to them. So check those things out. And then live on the show. We have Mr. Kevin Jodry from Wonderland. How are you guys? How you doing, man? Good, good, man. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, sorry, I had to get you right on the on the ad spot there. So you know, but like you said, it's got to keep. Easy, no you know, you know the story, right? Got to pay those bills. Somebody got to pay the bills. Exactly. So <laughs> how, do it. So how is how is the Golden Tarp looking this year? What's going on? Oh man, it's, it's great. We. We, we, we changed up the way we were going to present it because, to me, what I'm seeing is such a change in, in demographics of people that were the targets for the events. And so all of us that were industry people and then prior being called industry people, just growers, right. we're the ones that really were, like, driving all the event traffic. And then it became, you know, an ability to, to move products. Then it became an ability to... Um, show your brands, mm -hmm. but in order to get the mainstream to come into it, it's tough. And so I realized that if I did a digital stream and I did a good one where like we brought in a uh, maestro technology, which is what the NFL uses as their platform, EA sports. And we put uh, really high quality transmitters at the, at the event itself where mm -hmm. all the speakers and the event is. And then we do all the judging at offsite location. That whole thing is going to be sent digitally also. So this way mm -hmm. people can pop on for free to the phone mm -hmm. and or have viewing parties and watch a cannabis event from their own house anytime over the next year. So you can watch it live or it'll be archived for a year. Mm -hmm. So what it does is it lets us get a different kind of viewing of cannabis events right. so that the 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 picture that we have now we can kind of refine. Mm -hmm. How many how many entries and you got? 
How many entries you got this year? Right now, I think we're over probably over 220, 230 when I checked the other day. So I'll call the lab up and see. But we should be in a good range. Mm-hmm. And for us, we've been fortunate in the sense that because we've always done it so highly tested, mm-hmm. our DQ rate is only like a percentage point or two. I mean, really, we, we, we don't drop many entries because the people that bring them in know that it's going to go through such a, a rigorous lab test. Sure. Sure. And so for the for the growers, what we do is charge them for the lab test. They don't pay for anything else. The lab work alone is what covers the cost of their entry. Gotcha. And that way, it's just it, it allows them to get the information they need to sell the product to brokers. Mm-hmm. This is all uh, it's designed to be fair to the grower. You know, just like you you do, you're highlighting the breeders. Mm-hmm. We want the winner of the tarp to be able to benefit from being in the cup, or otherwise, why have a cup? Right. Yeah, and it's it's a. Uh... It's also like because there's so many different events going on and there's so many that have been not really thought through so well. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, you know, it's glaring holes in it as far as how easy it is to kind of manipulate the situation and stuff. So then you get those kind of, you know, those things going down and it's like, really? Like, you know, because there's money involved, you know what I mean? So when you got a big investor and all of a sudden they win all the things, you know. So it sounds like you guys are going for the ultimate in transparency, which is great to see because uh part of it is like there's always that like you know sitting and doing filling it out and literally there's i've watched people who it's not that they wanted to vote people bad or whatever they're just tired (laughs) they just get super tired and they just start to put just like copying each other's i've watched people like literally like what did you do okay i'll do the same one you know it's like and that's like uh totally totally you know it's so lame because of course i've been on the receiving end of those things where i know they didn't even smoke my weed. You know what I mean? They had already decided before the thing had even done. You know, and, and then you get the inside scoop later. It was like, yeah, dude, they just took your weed home. And I'm like, really? <laughs> they took my weed home and I didn't win nothing, but they actually didn't even smoke it until they got home probably because they're like, oh, this is fire. We'll take that. You know, it's like, And so there's been a lot of those events, I think, that have kind of, kind of given bad taste to a bunch of different people. But I think like the Emerald Cup and your event are like the two that are going to probably, you know, stand out and survive through all this because – of where you're located and the, the caliber of growers that you're dealing with and stuff? Oh, yeah, fantastic cultivators for sure. But, we, you know, you get them all over California. You get the top guys in the state. But the same thing with Timmy. You know, for, he's he's trying to do his best so that the, the people who enter get a good And, get, you know, you get a number of weeks to try to go through this thousand pack. And so what I do is I just neck it down and I use lab analysis Mm-hmm. to get me through uh, total highest terps, total highest cannabinoids. Right. Because typically that creates this weird little sweet spot where most strains kind of shine. Yeah. And it gives me it gives me a top four in four different categories, so it allows us to use uh, terps, terp grouping in a, in a simply used phrase, you know, fuel, mm-hmm. earth, fruit, and floral. Right. So what it does, it lets you have this incredibly stratified potency numbers and terp numbers, but... The, the cultivators agree with the format because 16 entries allow the judges, you know, five hours to judge them. And we present them in such a way that there's no question that your product was seen. And so the people that are in the top 16 all get awarded, mm-hmm. but there's no placement on anything from, you know, uh, second through 15th. You're just part of the group. Gotcha. The only person that I want really to shine is the winner. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, if you really won something, you shouldn't be. I, that's why I don't have 200 categories. Right. I make it easy. You win the golden tarp. Yeah. Otherwise, you get lost in it. You won what? You got any trophies? You got you got one. Yeah. And it it makes it simple because we really try to push that cultivator's success later. You know, using our own media and all our own stuff because that's the whole point of a competition is to allow the person to benefit. Yeah. And once the cultivators understood what I was trying to do, we've had just a fantastic grower support. 
and we have you know top guys compete year after year, and they know that. See, I I do the I do the numbers at the end, but I double blind it, so I don't even know mm-hmm. what farm is the entry until I get into the book, and then I open up the book because otherwise I don't even enjoy the goddamn thing. Sure, I you know like if you know it's like watching a fight when you already know who won. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, 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 the, the entertainment value is missing because the competitiveness isn't there. So I make it easy for myself to where I create a double blind on it for me. Mm-hmm. And then once we get all the, the tally, and, and the main point is that each individual, the judges, they just have to give me one winner. They don't have to rank anything. Yeah. They don't have to put them in a quantify. They don't have to explain their position. Mm-hmm. It allows them to just say, listen, that's yeah. the shit I wanted to buy again. Now, did you guys, um, like, so after the fact and after you've uh, gone through everything and everything's been awarded and everything, do you then uh, post all the results just so people can kind of figure out where they ranked in at the end? Or Oh, yeah, 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 totally, because when you come to the TARP, all your stuff is completely in place. Mm-hmm. So you'll get all your information and you'll get all the piece, but the top 16 get viewed so heavily. That's why we're going to do it all on this live stream. We're going to do mm-hmm. the entire judging so the top 16 are going to get a coverage that's crazy. It's just that, like I said, my focus is always not on ranking them 1 through 16, but to mm-hmm. go 2nd through 16 is all uh, a placement of merit, yeah. and then first place is first place. Gotcha. I saw this TV show. It was called Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. And the dude comes in and he tells them, first prize, trip to Miami, second prize, set of steak knives. And I, and I laughed because it was really basically how life really is. You either, you either win or you lose, you know? Right. And, and I wanted that to be the mentality here where I wanted the winner to really be able to get the benefit of winning and, and, and enjoy the fact that they got to defeat some really good competition because it's not, it's not a simpleton cup. You can't just give me a sample to enter the cup. Mm-hmm. It, it's really – our DQ rate proves it where we have such a low DQ rate after such an extensive lab exam that I know that the people are playing really understand what it's about. So it's awesome to be part of it. And, is you know? the, and are those disqualifications basically mostly mold situations that they just didn't know about? Or is it uh, pesticides? Or what's the, what's the usual when you do actually have it? Because I figure pesticides would not be you know, a situation because most people... We might, get, we might get, like, I bet I get, you know, one microbutrinol out, yeah. of, out of, like, you know, 220. Right. And depending on, uh, on where your location was. So this year you had, you know, fire later in the season, but the depth was already pulled. Mm-hmm. But what we noticed from a, a tarp a couple years ago was that we had a bunch of uh, fungal DQs, mm-hmm. and I scatter plotted their location to kind of understand why was it so spread like that. And I, I plotted them all around Lake County where all the fires were. Mm-hmm. So it started letting us understand what fire damage was in general, where it really kicked up a lot of soil. Mm-hmm. So the wind is so hot, it burns the soil, it kicks it up, and it disperses this particulate all over the place. And you can wash it off and get it to, off it to a degree, but ultimately you have spore all over your cannabis. Right. And so we're lucky this year where the fires didn't catch us at that time frame. But, you know, for a lot of cats that were in the fires, they got, they got, they're going to have some issues with that because the amount of stuff kicked up in the air was just incredible here. Right. Um, and what happened with – so, I mean, obviously, like I said, most of the people um, obviously got their stuff out early enough because they needed to get it ready for this competition and or just that was their schedule. But uh, how that was the depth cycle. I, I set the cycle to this. I set my event to the depth cycle, so I change the date pretty much every year mm-hmm. to fit really when the depth cycle drops, so I can then give them enough time to dry it correctly, and then enough time for the lab to test it. So really, we adjust the date so this way it really works off of the depth cycle. Gotcha. And, wh- and what's the range? Like what range have you worked from? Like what's the lo- earliest one and the latest one, just depending on the years. 
this is this is the latest one because this was the this was the the worst year we've had in a minute in Humboldt in terms of debt because the 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 water returned. So Humboldt County started going back into its old school twenty year water cycle. And we didn't have an early spring, so well, yeah, a lot of people. Were, a lot of people September, were mid September, and now we're already now we're already up into uh, uh, you know November. So yeah. it, it's it's adjusted through you know forty days of time, and I think that really the 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 cycle will now more reflect this later time because if if Northern California becomes wet like it had for twenty years prior, mm-hmm. then we'll see a lack of ability to get early cycle in on a large degree. Infrastructure guys will, but for the majority of people pulling regular simple greenhouses, they don't have the ability to hmm. to deal with this weather condition. Well, most people had like waterlogged clones in the beginning of the year and there was some crazy like a lot of people started over. Like I, I noticed a lot of people that I knew had like, you know, everything was going okay and then it kind of like the the water table was so high because of all of the rain that it ended up like just soaking everything. Everything just kind of stopped and got weird, and so they ended up starting over again. So. Yeah, no transpiration. Yeah, just yeah. Once it gets moist like that, too, the plants don't push, so you don't have any calcium moving through the plant, and they basically just start to self destruct in that in that kind of environment. Unless you have them in a really built house and you're pushing a lot of heat through it and you're pushing a lot of ventilation, and mm-hmm. that's the beginning of the new industry. But not everybody is at that level. I mean, I think you guys in Colorado are way more advanced because you've been able to to put it in the front for. So long? Yeah, kind of. Not but really. Here, we're I mean, in the process of converting. Well, the thing is, yeah, there the people have balls still. In Colorado, there's no balls. Everyone's everyone's just con- standing. Everyone's conformed, and it's all la- like the the way that they put it together. It's just really lame. Like there's not, it's not like what you have, like a good nursery to go to, and there's just very. I mean, it's still, uh, you know, OPC to OPC. And it's basically like, hey, you want some rusted mites here? Sure, I'll make you some clones. I mean, that's basically all that's going on around here. It's just a big, you know, kind of a mess in a sense. So, how how what kind of numbers you were you pushing out? Uh, sure, they spray the thing. Spray them here. Yeah. Say again. No, what kind of numbers of clones are you pushing out this this last season? Like, what kind of uh, overall clone product? Because I know you guys have been supplying like quite a lot, right? It was good. We, it was a pretty good season. The 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 drop off, like we, we just slowed down for the winter because what you've had is just this massive glut of cannabis hit the system right now. It's incredible to see. Mm-hmm. So people kind of slowed down, but this was a busy year in general. Well, there's a lot of people that were cultivating all in all. Now next year is the question because we we go into the the difference between track and trace, white and black market. So now mm-hmm. we're going to find out really where's the distribution of sales. So you know it's unknown for all of us. Right. No matter what we did, it's there's, there's no real way to calculate what's coming next, and with the effective forty five percent tax rate, it's going to make it kind of interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's it's like uh, I tell people all the time that are from California. It's like because they were, you know, a lot of people uh, would look at Colorado and just be like, yeah, you know, all the weed sucks and everything. I'm like, well, first of all, look at the tax rate that we're dealing with, and look at all the you know, like. Once you get into that world, and color and California is like notoriously a difficult state. No matter what you're talking about, cars, you know, gas, whatever, any any commodity, Cali has its own little set of rules, and then you bring in cannabis, which is like you know, they're pretty, hits pretty close to home. So there's going to be a lot of sad people in the next couple of years just because of the changes. And they're going to, they don't really can almost not grasp it. You know what I mean? Cause it's, uh, but when it happens and they can grow 12 plants anymore, like that's going to kind of really cut into your, the whole plant count thing. How's that panning out in NorCal right now? Cause here it's, ter- we'll see. You know, like here it's from- terrible. Kind of, but like what I did is I kind of went into more of a, like I still do all my normal transactional sales, but I kind of specialized in industrial level for a while. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I try to have contracts with people that are doing larger numbers and all those people are really in the white market. So I kind of build my, I, it was all black market at one point, but as we right. went forward, I started changing the distribution of what I was doing so that it, it would really reflect what was going to take place. So I know that contractually speaking, because I work off an order basis, I was pretty good for the future. Mm. And so it's just because a lot of these people are invested individuals and their their operations are going to move forward and they have to work off a track and trace nursery and they don't have nursery model. And so ultimately, because I'm well known for what I do, I, I, I think I have a pretty good shot to make some survival. But you, when you see this much shit going down, I don't, I don't care who you are, scares us that. Yeah, there's some major shakeups going on. And that's the, you know, it's, it's strange because as it goes into other states that have never had a market, they go straight uh you know, they kind of skip over some of the things that we have to deal with because we're all, so what happens when you're a pioneer in a, as a state, you know what I mean? You're the first state going out of the gate, you're going to be the first state to sort of feel the, the backlash, you know? And now the problem is, is that oh, completely. the quality of the cannabis just has gone downhill so bad just because most of the shops are just, it's a widget, you know what I mean? They don't care anymore. They're just like, whatever, it'll sell. And it's tourist-based because of the fact that anybody over 21 and doesn't have to be the same old guy coming back every day. And, you know, so with the medical, and, and, you know, and then just and then you, once you lose the heart, it's sort of hard to uh, maintain the quality. Oh, no, the quality lives in the black market. I was trying to explain to somebody that said the specimens don't get the high end wheat. Mm-hmm. The black market still picks it up because the people that are involved in that, they just, it's, it's too complicated to get involved in a permitting scheme. And so the people who really love cannabis, who've been working with solid genes for times, who have a, a craft developed hand, that stuff isn't seen at the storefronts. And so, the people that are coming into cannabis, they're basically going to have to get you know educated over the course of time in terms of what's the differences between good cannabis and just commercial cannabis. Right. And and that's a process. And for a lot of them, they're going to have to smoke for a second to even be able to understand the, the subtleties. And once they do, they'll be like, "Holy shit, I got you!" Right. And the question is then, you know, can that be created at a price point that people will accept if they've been swamped with this cheap, low quality weed? Yeah, it's I mean, interesting. Like we're learning all about quality markets. Right here, it's like it got into the seventy-five dollar an ounce market. You know, it's just like wow. It's like really, that's you know what love is going into that. And, you know, zero. You know, and so it, and it very yeah. rare, very rarely the did computer find, rolling it. Pretty much, you know. what I mean, they're just loading it into these big hoppers, and they're just loading it, those hoppers or filling up bags, and you know, there's no uh, trying to make trying to make your best presentation of your product the packaging is getting amazing that's the one thing that's so funny like the quality of the cannabis is going down and the quality of the packaging and the present presentation is going up you know what i mean so you get these really nice yeah, yeah, yeah. nicely we, we presented get it. people yeah get in a ziploc bag you know for sure yeah not even a ziploc like a liquor you know like a lick rollover bag it's kind of like that yeah for how many fingers right four fingers give me four fingers and that was it you know it was like uh but at the same time now, and, and, you know, it's like, as you know, it, you can sell a better, you can sell it all day long because it looks like it's, you know, packaged all nice. But at the end of the day, if you don't care about your customer base, then, then that's fine. But if you're trying to build something up, as a, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, quality speaks for itself always. Um, what's your favorite, what strains are really pushing right now hard out of your spot? And, like, what's, what's the, besides, like, uh Let's see, the, the hot strains right now, you, have, you know what's kind of neat is that for the first time in a while, OG isn't just kicking the shit out of everything because there's so much OG going around that for the first time, you actually can have a variety pack. And so mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm having a, a really hot one with the White Tahoe Cookie out of Archive. I got that cut from uh, Mac and Fletcher out gotcha. of Portland. Nice. And they got, I think they got it from one of their breeder friends, but it's just a stunning cultivar. And so the White Tahoe Cookie just killed it this year in Humboldt. The original Royal the, uh, Mandolin bread, the original Mother Clone, that thing is still going wild. Um, the the regu- regular Girl Scout Cookie and the Sherbet still killing it. The Gelato's hot. So a lot of the stuff from the cookie fam mm-hmm. went off. The Skittles still cooking. Um, all of these little, uh, you know, highly floral strains, uh, highly fruit strains, stuff mm-hmm. that's, you know, unique that in, in the extraction market is good. And a lot of it, you know, as we see, it, it's kind of interesting because for the first time you, you get to have a stratification, but it makes it tough for cultivators because they have to run so many smaller micro loads. Mm-hmm. People hate monoculture, but like, if you're trying to work a production run, you want to be able to optimize for this for that that grid. And so, it, it depending on how many different types the market wants, it makes it tough for some of the cultivators to understand what direction to go. But yeah. the the ability to move a number of cuttings also has an as an advantage because it lets many people have product the market wants. Well, you, so it's it's pretty interesting to see it. Yeah, it's as a whenever you're making clones, it's it's interesting because you just kind of you know putting them out, putting them out, putting them out. And there's like times where you know you put out. 5,000 clones of the same thing in the same, around the, right around the same time, you know what I mean? And then, you know, of course, like clockwork, because that's what it is, around eight or nine weeks later, boom, all of that shit just starts hitting the, hitting the market. And it was always interesting in, because uh, Amsterdam was such a small town, that we, that, that whole uh, clone market was, you know, driven on, like, a couple guys that would, would play so many games, you know what I mean? There'd be like, oh, really? That's hot? Boom. Name flips and switches, and, and it was just terrible. Like, that was one of the things that drove me crazy about over there is there was no real honor when it came to, like, keeping things real. You know, like, I was like, oh, really? Is everybody... Yeah, yeah, that? no. I DNA'd the whole shop. I, I think I got, like, 40, 40 plus strains to the Philo's Galaxy. Nice. Just of the basic varieties in the lab, so this way I know exactly what they are, and when I build new grids, I can actually do a DNA test to make sure that when we propped them, we didn't screw anything up. Right. Just like a double redundancy. Sure. And what it does, it lets other people who've had really good success with those cuts know that, that if they test this cutting and it matches it up and they have that cut that they wanted to work in their production methodology. Yeah. So the DNA is really taking a lot of the bullshit out of it. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for Philos for putting together an accurate galaxy because it lets us really do some neat interrogative work where you can go backwards in these cuttings and figure out where the, where the, mm-hmm. what's the differences in it. It's like I noticed this weird trait where in a lot of these high-potency uh, high OGs and some of these higher-potency OG chems, that the ones that are in these upper numbers, uh, some of them, they had a skunk progenitor because there's a subtle skunk g- uh, gene in it when you look at it through the DNA. Hmm. And it's almost like some of these higher-number strains almost need some of the skunk to open up uh, some of the pathways to get to higher numbers. It's just a, a weird thing when you look at a lot of test results. Sure. And so I noticed from looking at this stuff that you start to see these weird little patterns that figure out where things really come from. And if we had the ability to use this shit when we were kids, boy, oh, we would have been ferocious. Yeah, no, and that, and that is crazy, like, because uh, 10 years ago, it was still cost-restrictive, you know what I mean? Now it's actually getting to the point where you can you can pull it off. It's not too, I mean, it's, there's always a little tax thrown on top, of course, because everybody's invested so much into their equipment. But, you know, when you use the same people and you kind of find somebody that works for you, um, and like I always tell everybody, just go for the guy who gave you the lowest numbers of everything because it's probably going to be the most honest guy out there, you know, where if they're like, 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the lab, I've only used one lab my whole time in cannabis for what I do my lab testing. Yeah. I mean, I've used the same lab, Pure Analytics, for 10 years. Sure, Pure Analytics, uh, yeah. Because, you know, ultimately, I believe, you know, they're good operators. And Phylos is the same thing. They're, they're, they're just giving you DNA reports. They're not giving you any kind of chemo or, yeah. or turp or anything like that. Just straight up what's it related to. Yep. But it lets us do a map so that people can then set up other clonal bases because if they know that the cut that I have is so hot in the market, then you don't want someone telling you that they have a cut that they think is that. You want that exact cut. Especially because some of these are we've sourced out are from such huge population sources. You know, the, the, the Royal Otto Mandel was like 3,000. The creme brulee that I've been working with came out of a half-acre cyst. I mean, there's a lot of plants in a half-acre to pull that one out. Sure. So that kind of stuff is important because most people aren't doing population sifts this big on some of these cultivars. And so if you can map it and get it into the market. My, my whole thing years ago, Adam, was that I didn't like the quality of the cannabis that was being moved around in colonial form. And I was like, listen, if you just if we all you know hit a higher level, mm-hmm. then that's what we would have as cannabis in our culture. We just went full so alien. Can replicate it. We just went full alien right there. Your voice completely uh, digitized. So. No, just a right off the piece. Yeah, you were like, yeah, oh, gotcha. straight DMT trip right there. It's pretty much what it sounded like. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the the future you think is pretty much going to be. Uh, in, based in obviously in in tested uh, certified genetics and uh, what, what you guys are doing seed are you doing a seed production yourself like many you are you doing breeding out or are you just kind of working with other people's material? I do no I do I do my own work but a lot of my work is preservation work so mm-hmm. like I work on holding cultivars I can't hold everything I like and so I lay I lay pollen into lines that I want to work with and then I just preserve the seed and put it away and I can put that into hands of people to play with and right. pull production cultivars out of sure, sure but what I have the ability to do now is because none of the breeders that we know really have nursery licenses which is what they're requiring you to have to do legal breeding yeah so you can you can do black market work still on the side, but the you know problem is once you get grabbed with some of this shit, you lose your ability to do it in the future legally. Yeah. You do uh, uh, seed production for companies that wanted us to do limited catalog work. So I talked to a couple guys I know and and said, hey, would that be something that would interest you? Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't do your whole line. I couldn't do, you know, 40 strains, but we could choose the top couple that you wanted to put out in the legal market. Right. We could produce it out of the facility, and then we'd be able to lay it into all the storefronts because they're going to have to get it on a track and trace system. So they're not going to be able to just get seed from seed vendors anymore. Yeah, I know. It's going to be... Because if it doesn't have a source of origin, mm-hmm. yeah, no source of origin, you can't enter it into the system. It's going to have to be floating around, you know, in, in that form. Yep. So if we can... If we can, uh, you know, put that to work, that'd be kind of cool. Because I, I have a new facility that we we just put together, a, a lot larger one than the one I have now. Oh, nice. And so the the original Wonderland, it's not too far. It's only like 15 minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 just down the street from where we are now. But the, the old facility that I have, that's where I'd like to do all the seed work. Right. And use this to hold all the weird stock that people want to play with that don't move in commercial levels. Well, yeah, you're definitely uh, ahead of the game on that because, like you said, People are going to have to get nurseries, and it's like everybody. That's kind of the 
like a couple of years ago, everybody had a lab all of a sudden, you know? I was like, oh, so if you said, meet me at the lab, it didn't mean anything because everybody had a lab, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden it's going to be nurseries. That's the next hot thing. Everybody in my ear is like, I got to get a nursery. I got to get a nursery. I got to get a nursery. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. Let me tell you right out of the gate, but... Um, no, Jesus. Yeah. Nothing is really. The game The game is tough, boy. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm old and that I've been in it my whole life because if I was to jump in it today, holy shit. Right. No, and and the thing is, you wouldn't probably. I mean, if you had the insight that you have now, you may not jump in it at all, just because you know that the learning curve is so hard. You know, and it's just like, uh, oh yeah, punishment brutal. Yeah, and on top of that, it's, it's a you know, part of, and part of that learning curve, I think, is to become resilient. And part of being resilient means you fucked up. You know, what I mean, somewhere <laughs> something went down. You know, and that's part of if you never had that now, and you're coming into this industry, um, because it's now it's not about getting in trouble for the obvious things it's about getting in trouble for just not doing things correctly and that's going to be the 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 learning curve that a lot of people have because they're just used to duffel bags and you know just yeah here you go <laughs> you give me that i give you this boom we're done and all of a sudden now there's a trail and it's a transparencies and people have to do things correct and in the right order and that's kind of hard for a lot of people that were in our, in the industry that we're in you know so i think we're going to see a lot oh, of the, a lot of those kind of situations in the next few years with consolidations of companies and uh people you know like throwing in the towel you know that's it it's kind of and i've actually had that with a lot of my friends recently where i can really see that especially in california that they're kind of like they're maybe on their last cycle before they're just going to put everything into seed form and just sit and think about it because they don't even know what to do you know i mean there's no market left for uh, for a lot of them they got the they got all the overhead or, you know, they got all the aerial shit going on now. They're sending out, they're sending out all the uh, drones, the, the, the letters. Oh, yeah. Well, they got the drones, but they're doing. They got, you know, Google. Google has a service that the the county uh, pays for, and every two weeks, satellite flies over, maps the county, and then it and then it measures the changes mm-hmm. and any any aerial changes that have occurred. It then creates a sheet that they send down to the county uh, tax assessor's office, and that sheet has the the change in you know, two-week picture, plus the Google map address to the location so they could go take a look at it. Right. So basically, you had about two weeks tops to have anything that's not seen. Mm-hmm. And so Humboldt put a 10-day cease and desist program together where they, they got you on $10,000 a day per violation. And once you get this, the cease and desist for your illegal op, you're going to get hit with probably up to maybe 40000 on an initial fine. Wow. And then you have to sign a legal agreement. Oh, it gets better. You can sign a legal agreement that you're going to fix all the egregious violations, and then you can't get a permit to grow legal weed on the property. So basically, you went a couple hundred grand into debt to fix shit on a piece of land that you can't use to even make any money. Right. Yeah, I know it's going to be the... So the first set of the first set of letters just went out last week. So wow. you know they're probably going to be dumping a couple hundred of those a month out now. Oh yeah, this is real. Yeah. They're using satellite tech and drone mapping and ju- and a letter uh-huh. to just kick the shit out of these bigger operations. Wow. Yeah. I it's mean, nuts. well, what's funny is like you know, and, and of course they're you know like Google, real Google Earth, like in real time is is a completely different animal than what we're looking at because I was. I always tell people to like, you know, go look at certain counties and just go on Google Earth because usually, usually it's a summertime shot and you can just count the plants. Like, well, look, this guy's got 10, this guy's got 20, this guy's got 100. And it's so obvious because, and this is on like last year's, you know, censored Google Earth compared to real time police Google Earth where they're just like, oh shit, okay, we can, like you said, you can look at two week changes in biomass and kind of yeah. set it up as a, 
uh, be able to see like, oh shit, this guy's doing good. Like, and of course it's like always, you know, the minute you pat yourself on the back is the minute the shit goes down and you lose everything because <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm doing really good. You know what I mean? It's like the worst, worst idea as a grower. Don't ever be happy because you're going to get fucked. You know, <laughs> that, that's yeah. usually, you're always being watched and someone's always trying to fuck you. Kinda. That's really the nature of it. But they're using some killer technology to do this. I mean, so, so the first time ever you're able to map Humboldt's, I mean, you know, what makes Humboldt so unreal is a 70 degree, you know, incline. So we have this, you know, incredible uh, convoluted surface here covered in lumber. But once they started drone mapping it, once they started flying the drones out of the helicopters where they, they have their little microcopters flying through the canyons and the drones are flying in front of them and they just mapped every bit of this shit. They have, they have covered this place with drone and copter for so long that they they got they got a good idea what's going on now. Yeah, that's that's nuts. I mean, it's going to make it interesting here. It is crazy, huh? And and like you said, it's just like the this is the choice that people have to make right now, where you know you can get legal or not. And you know, a lot of people are trying to get their last hurrah in this year, and so there's going to be a lot of a lot more letters probably than they normally would be just because of that. I'm sure a lot of people are like. Double down, oh, yeah. doubling it's down on everything. Double yeah. down on everything that they did. Um. Well, they figured they got like eight, eight to nine thousand that they could throw letters at. So you know, I think of the ten thousand, you know, large grows See, in Humboldt. What they did is like they filmed us, and they said to us, you know, part of the program was like an amnesty program where you can you can apply for your black market canopy. And so I used my old black market canopy as my canopy, which was a half acre. So that's what we tell people. I said, no, your, your backyard was a half acre a week. And that let me get a half acre canopy for the farm in terms of what the permitting size was. And that's how many of us operated. Mm-hmm. And then once they closed the window, you know, basically a, a lot of the land is shut off. And so for, for so many individuals, they, they just hesitated because they didn't understand what to do necessarily because the information was so obtuse. It was so, yeah. it was so hard to read. Yeah. That all of a sudden, you know, you got 9,000 farms here that are good size that are going to get wet because they, they have the, uh, they have the identities of all of them. You, you, they, the lists are out, all that shit. It's right. crazy. Right. It's weird. It's weird to see the transitions occur from where there was so little, it was hidden to where there's so much unavailable. And now they're going back to take it all away. Yeah. Yep. And then of course, you know, like we were saying earlier, the, the black market still is going to have higher quality than, than, and it's going to get, it's, I think that's going to keep going You know, it's going to keep staying on the black. Oh, guaranteed. It's going to be like, it's not going to get any closer. Uh, you know, there'll be a few people that actually. No, it'll be smaller though. Mm-hmm. Oh it'll, yeah, for it'll sure. It'll be like it was back in the day. You know, it'll be like it wasn't. And for a lot of us that are, you know, in, in Humble County, we were talking about it, about how that was really a, a better lifestyle because the problem is once the money really blew up, it, it brought in a lot of the, the wild, crazy, loud shit, mm-hmm. which then started bringing all the extra attention. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of the older guys that had, you know, done, you know, back in the day, if you had, you know, 20, 30 outdoor pounds, you, you were okay with it. Yeah. Now, you know, that might, that might, that might pick up uh, some trimming for the rest of the crop. Yeah, that ain't nothing. So if we could go back to those, those numbers, it'll allow a lot of the black market people to do better. And I hope it works out for them because, you know, we all come out of that. We all come out of that. That's like saying you want to, you know, you want to burn the house down you were born and, mm-hmm. and you can't. Yeah. Well, black, it, it, it just, it's, it's going to be what it is. Black markets matter, right? I mean, we do know that. That's true. And that, and that is like. Oh, they do. They do. It, it's, it's, it's the driving. I mean, and the crazy part is that people just forget so fucking quick. Like now all of a sudden everybody's like got this weird attitude towards it sometimes where you're just like, and then, you know, it, it is still the driving. But hateful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, well... It, the, the black market's the cradle. It's the cradle that catches everybody who falls off their fucking high perch. 
every time every time in life you get cocky and you fall to the ground, usually the black market what catches you and lets you rebuild and be, try to become normal again. Because mm-hmm. the, the white market doesn't have the same opportunities to rise. You get caught up in lower income, slower velocity positions, and that's kind of tough to come back from. Right. So the black market, you know, in every society has always been a place where people could return to some kind of level of normality, which is ironic because you're having to risk everything to do it. Mm-hmm. Always, well, it's always, I mean, it's it's always the the uh, the people who take the risks like that in situations that, uh, you know, other people, it's always like when you go into a deal with somebody, it's always like the classic where you see how some people are so hesitant and so, you know, so reserved. And in the long run, they're probably smart, but the other guys are just throwing it at them. And that's the way this market's always been. It's always been the throw it at them kind of mentality. And uh, when you get into this whole corporate structure, it's like that doesn't work. You know what I mean? You have to actually buckle down and it gets not so fun anymore, which, you know, that's legal anything, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not to let it ride like it was. And, and you know, a tiny full pair of balls was, was, uh, was enough to really get you through a lot of these things. And then you, you, learned, you learned as you went. You know, you got your skills refined if you didn't get punished too hard. Mm-hmm. But like I said, for so much of the corporate stuff, it, it requires a more formalized education and format. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think for a lot of the cannabis people, that intelligent as they are and what they do, when they reached out to get consultants and when they reached out for help, they end up getting screwed because there's all these carpetbagging bastards running around mm-hmm. uh, giving bad advice. Right. You know, and so in the old days, you know, you would have hit them with a stick, but you can't do that. You go to prison now for that. <laughs> so you can't really correct the problems you once could. You know, it's now you're basically stuck with it. Well, that was the thing. Is that, is that is where the black market always took care of itself, where, you know, cannabis people, if you sold shitty weed or, you know, so rip somebody off, it got spread around, and then you were out of business in a sense because, you know, you had to move to a different state or just become another, you know, and that's not, you know, in the cards for a lot of people. But nowadays, people will rip you off in your face because it's legal, you know what I mean? And, and you just don't understand how it yeah. works. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, did that guy just, like, rip, totally rip me off? He's like, yeah, he did. And he smiled when he did it, and he stabbed you, like, straight in, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the way the business world works in in general. We already know that. And then you add cannabis into the mix, and it even gets more uh, ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wild, boy. So we're all going through the process. Everybody in the county is experiencing mm-hmm. all the changes. None of us are immune. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I diversified within cannabis so that I could kind of spread out the beating when it came. And so I'm cool. Uh-huh. But, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, it's your whole life. It's, you know, this is all that I've been doing the majority of my life. And so when you see your whole culture just going through this rocky piece, mm-hmm. it, I, was, I was talking to a girl today where she was looking at me and I said, hey, you didn't fail. I said, you did good. You built a good brand and you did well. Right now you just, you don't have enough cash to feel comfortable. But the point is, the world's looking at us saying, hey, all the cannabis growers, you guys, uh, you fucked it up. You didn't become somebody you were supposed to, and now Big Copper's going to take you out. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at them, and you're like, who can actually um, who can actually say that they did anything in life without having some ups and downs? Mm-hmm. But the people that built the cannabis brands and the people that did the work, they were some solid, hard-working people. And you, you don't want to feel like you failed because you're going through a difficult time, and and you feel underskilled for the first time in your career, where for the first time the skill set that you have is, is oh, needs yeah. to be refined. I saw that two years you know, ago. So I, saw, I saw that about two years ago mm-hmm. at the Emerald Cup where I was like kind of just people watching by the entranceway and on the way out when the lights were kind of clicking off and things were sort of breaking down, I saw these like super lost NorCal growers who were like just had this look of doom on their face. Like they just figured it out. Like they walked through and they saw the writing on the wall, like, we're fucked, dude. Like, we're not going to be, ah. You know, you could just see, I saw more desperate people walking out than 
than I could imagine. And actually, I was like, I kept seeing it over and over. And I was like, I mean, I was tripping on mushrooms, so it could could have been just that. But I was like, def- definitely <laughs> seeing. I was definitely seeing that everybody was like, yeah, they, everyone seems like they're kind of like, especially the last ones because they were like the ones who couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? Whereas, uh, and there was a couple yeah, groups coming somber. out, and they were just like, holy shit, we're fucked. You know what I mean? Like, yep, sell the farm. You know what I mean? It was definitely like <laughs> at that moment in time, you could see where uh, people were had to see the, if they hadn't seen it yet, they definitely saw it when they went to that show because. There were some big players there, and things were moving in front of them that they didn't even know existed. You know, product that they'd never seen before. So you kind of get quickly lost in that if you're not, you know, if you're not into extracts or you're not into uh, what the market share is kind of like being commanded by right now. You know, like extracts run run this town, for instance. You know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's real. The, the, the whole the whole technological scope of what's occurring and then the, the scale of the people that are coming in, for a lot of people that have been super private, you know, they, they've been up the hill for a decade. They haven't really they didn't look at the Internet. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they go to the Emerald Cup and they see this, this second coming of Christ. They're just like, <laughs> holy, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly what it was like. It was like, I was like, oh, these guys just came down out of the hills. And are like, holy fuck, our shit is n- like not up to speed right now, and we need to fucking change gears because it's about to drop. And it, you know, kind of. I mean, price wise, what are you looking at right now? What do you think the the bottom of the what, again, like say the, the January prices? What are you predicting when it's when people are starting to give? Oh, when the full load comes out, you'll probably see solid seven hundred across the board on out. You know, so you're still looking for like you know, good outdoor right now is going anywhere from you know nine to twelve hundred, depending on what it is, and mm. you can get into some specialty cultivars, and if you can get them off past is indoor in the world, but otherwise, yeah. the big bulk markets are running in that little over a grand, little below a grand. Okay, and I think that once you start to have the real outdoor drop, especially at the level that's been cultivated this year, mm-hmm. oh, you'll see easy. And, and I, I bet some people will be down in the 500 yeah. straight up because they, they need the money to, to mm. move forward. Exactly. That's and then it'll go higher next year because you can't get any lower. You can't. Pretty soon you're at the you're at, you're at cost of production, and, and nobody's going to dump at cost of production for years. Yeah. Nobody's big enough to control the market yet to do that. And so we'll have it stabilized, and they figure that the cost of the pound is going to jump up 450, just off of testing. So yeah. we'll find out what that does to the pound price on the legal market. But the black market pounds, they're uh, they're they're just backed up. I mean, I've never I've never seen so many people that have so much cannabis in general. We're laughing because I mean I have a dispensary too, mm-hmm. and it, and and it lets me sell to some specific people. But for all the locals and stuff, we all look at each other and laugh because we're like, you know, I know that everybody I'm looking at has probably got a ton in their barn. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like Jamaica used to have yeah, so much. Yeah, like, like a ton. Yeah, we have a ton. It's a problem. Right, like in Jamaica, they had so much weed at certain points that they just couldn't do anything, so they turned it into oil. And you had these like fifty-five gallon drums of just nasty black oil that were just kind of left there after a while because you know nobody couldn't move that either. You know what I mean? It was just like, and that's kind of almost a scenario that's happening in in these places too. Because once you lay, if you leave your weed too long, your oil's going to come out dark, and then no one's going to want that oil. You know, you have to be. Either fresh frozen. Yeah. How many people buying freezers up there? The crude, well, the crude, <laughs> though, the crude market blew up here, though. See, the crude market, like, you guys have, you guys, I'm not sure what your distribution of sales is, but my God, the pen in California is like a lightsaber. Everybody's carrying that damn thing. Mm-hmm. And so the crude market is, is exploding, and the white crude market's going to be difficult because so much of the crude market right now is fed from the black, and it's still not tested. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, we know the truth, man. Half this shit isn't tested, even though people tell you it's tested. So, 
once this stuff really has to go through testing, mm-hmm. you're going to see a radical shortage of clean cannabis that'll fit into these crude situations because the pen has become the dominant form. I mean, society doesn't even like to touch anything anymore. I, yeah. I know people that, yeah. that I hang out with that have been with me for a long time, and they, they still don't know how to roll a joint because they've used all concentrate form as their, their preferred form from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that, that separation makes it really kind of strange in terms of, you know, how do you get the new people that are coming in to have the same connection to rolling and smoking? I think so much of us were from the smoking generation. Right. You know, your parents well, and I, grandparents with cigarette smokers I in know the house. That, I know that I'm always the guy who's rolling the joints. You know I mean? In, in my, whatever I'm with. Me I'm too. Because like, I'm like, well, I, you know, if you can't roll a good joint, just let me do it for you. Because it's always annoying to smoke a shitty rolled joint and there's that's the one thing you learn in Europe after a while you gotta learn if you can't learn how to roll a good joint after living in Europe for 20 years then you're kind of fucked but I knew people like that they would live there for 20 years and yeah. still, still can't roll a joint I'm like you're, come on now guys it's like get, get your shit together the pen the disconnect though that's a tool and, and, and if you have a sexy tool I'm telling you I see some of these pens that are just with all these little, little attaching goodies Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's like the iPhone, where pretty soon you'd rather talk to your friend through the iPhone than talk to them in person. And, and I'm still an in-person cat. I, you know, like you guys were talking earlier, I, I like people. Yeah. And so for me, the, the relationship with the cannabis, the intimacy with it, I still prefer. Well, it was but always I know a, that the market we don't get doesn't care about my opinion. Yeah, well, especially like East Coast, too, because, you know, growing up, you'd be like, you know, it's, it's always a little, it's not, not as open as it is now. And we always had to get in our little spot. My whole thing was like we had our little spots, you know. What I mean, that was we get high over here, we get high over there, and it was always like little off the beaten path, kind of just a little, you know, secret spot or whatever. And with pens, I mean, it kind of changed that thing because people don't have to go hide in it. You know, they can just smoke it right in front of everybody, and it's it's cool in that sense. It's nice to have it like when you get off a plane and you got your pen, and you're like, okay, well, that's that's an improvement in life right there. But as a as a sort of way to get high, and on a general basis, it's like not. It, I, they just break. It's just something to annoy me. Basically, is what I figure after a while. I'm like this fucking thing. Yeah, annoying. I don't like the high. Yeah, and the high never. I is. don't. I, I've I've had every. I've had the best pens. Like, you know, uh, I, I say like Bam, who does the highest grade. Right, I think he's probably got the best pens I've ever smoked in my life mm-hmm. in terms of quality. But something about it, the extracting pen. When it when it strips out some of the stabilizing things, it takes away the the quality of the effect. It makes me want to go back to it, almost with like an addictive response. And that's not how I behave normally with cannabis. And so I know that when I smoke weed, I, I smoke it. But when I smoke a pen, it's like almost like I'm sipping it. Mm-hmm. And you end up sipping and sipping and sipping and sipping and sipping, and you're like, yeah, you just never feel satisfied. Exactly, it's good. But good, that's my good own personal thing, you know. No, that's, that, that sounds exactly it's, right. It's, sounds exactly right. But uh, you know, and occasionally you see these pens that are ridiculous, and they got like a humongous battery on them and they'll just like they will they'll basically smoke at that point you know they're, they're that strong but it's still a lot of like titanium and fucking metal and just things that don't ever make things taste good you know i mean i always like a clean bowl and bong hits normally the way to go you know it's like always those kind of that was our growing up then. you know that's our generation or whatever now yeah yeah modiano papers light as a butterfly's wing exactly you know? yeah you have to <laughs> you show really somebody things there right yeah, the, the, and you have to rip the, the technology's edge. coming. Uh huh. No, it's 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 and it's getting better. I mean, that's the thing. When the first pens came out, the Atmos or whatever was like one of the first ones, and I bought a hundred of them, and I had eighty five returned within I don't know, about two weeks or something like that. Like, I was like, great, you know, this is a for a minute. I thought I had the the coolest thing ever, and then all my friends were just like, dude, that was fucking ridiculous. You know what I mean? And especially because we're in high altitude here, so we the, those things leak, and you go over the mountain, and it just like 
ends up leaking everywhere or something. But there's all you know. There's so much. I've everybody I think I know has a a junk drawer, and then you have a vapor crap drawer of just like yeah. batteries and fucking end caps and little bits and pieces and none of them seem to work together like you can have all these combinations you're like god damn it <laughs> still doesn't work you know what i mean so yeah they're just frustrating for me mostly is what i think we got you there oh uh, they can turn. You got black market that's filled with three state in America's, you know, producing flour. But some of these markets are hotter than others in terms of trying to get it into the market is more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that the cultivators still have, you know, we have a couple years of working through in California and cemented in place. And mm-hmm. then we have to figure out how do we drive, you know, these small micro craft farm, you know, businesses. And that, that's like I said, that was like the point of the tarp initially. You know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cultivator. I, I'm not really an event guy. It's just yeah. that we came up with a couple of good events mm-hmm. that, that did some really cool stuff for the community, and it just worked out real well where we continued with them. Yeah. Well, you got a and good so medium. we're hoping that maybe these type, of things, these type of things bring the attention to these high-quality farms and these high-quality micro-cultivators, mm-hmm. and it allows you to really start to have a return to some good-quality pot. Because otherwise, I'm, you know, I would rather go someplace and buy wheat, but I just travel with it now because I know I'm bringing what I'm bringing. Yeah. No, no, it's hilarious. And it would be nice how... if through the whole state you had access to dank. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing how back in the day when I would come back from Holland and come here, it'd be like, you know, weed was so, it was just like moving weed around was so fucking dangerous and stuff, you know, in airports. And now if you go to Europe, it's like way more dangerous in Europe than it is here because here they're just like, whatever, we, they've seen it all, especially if they, you know, they see guys with jars and they don't check the weights and they don't give a shit. They're just kind of like, don't touch somebody's medicine, you know? And which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Throwing your luggage, throwing your luggage, and you're good, man. It's kind of cool to fly on the Green Coast because anything Washington, Oregon, yeah, California, then fly over to Arizona or over to Colorado, and you're yep. good. Yeah, and I'm going to Providence. All states and... are receiving cannabis, so yeah, you don't have any problems at all. So you can throw an ounce in your luggage, and there's no issue. Right. And that way, you know, you have some fire with you. But it'd be nice if there was fire everywhere you went, so you didn't have to travel with it at all. I don't, I don't, I don't bring my water with me. Yeah, and your water's better at home for sure. It is. Okay, I guess we can get into the water farm. So, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys and uh, see what you're like as far as people if they're interested in Wonderland and your practices and stuff? Do you guys have a solid website right now? Yeah, you can go to just wonderlandnursery.com. Just mm-hmm. go to straightwonderlandnursery.com, and when you go onto the site, you can go into all kinds of video format that kicks in where we go over all the different genetic material, and then I have all these links that tie into all the different video stuff that I've done that other people have shot of me at, at all pertinent stuff, stuff that's about specific information. But a lot of the stuff that I'm in, I don't shoot. I, I do my own work, but I'm in so many different things that a lot of it is just us archiving it and putting it together in a common platform. So you go to Wonderland, and you can get information on all kinds of cool stuff, plus see the site, the the tarp, that tarp's goldentarp.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the tarp is if you you know you, you go to the the the, uh, the Ganges is also a site I have too that'll link you in same thing so if you go to Wonderland you can tie in go to the Ganges that's all these other videos and digital stuff that we have of people we think that have a, a a good thing to say 
some quality information. Nice. And then the goldentarp.com is where you can go to actually watch the tarp itself for free on the phone. Sweet. And that's, uh, and when does this start exactly? What are the dates for the actual viewing? November 18th. It'll start at 11 o'clock. The stream will start at 11 and then it'll, uh, end at, uh, we think, I think, uh, five to six, six o'clock. And so we'll have the, uh, oh, six to seven is the actual awards. And so it'll end at, it'll end at seven. And so the stream will be going on. It'll be, it'll be multi-screens where you can flip between the judging or the lectures or the music. So, It'll be it'll be really nice to be interactive. Sounds awesome. Sounds really good. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what this industry needs is like you know more like. I mean, that's the problem. Is a lot of times people want to keep it all secret because they think it's something, and then when you see it, it's kind of hokey compared to like making it like like you're doing transparent and stuff, and then being forcing you to kind of do it right because you know your own people are all more people are watching. It's not just the. the Fifty people, you know, you know. You've seen, you've seen how the events go. <laughs> like you've seen so many. Oh yeah, you know, and that, I'm sure that's and, why. And the people need the coverage too. Mm-hmm. The cannabis people that we're working with, you know, for people don't understand. Everybody's, everybody's telling cannabis people all the time. Well, you know, you need to go run around and, and get yourself out there. Well, the problem is the skill that we had was not being out there. So the the best skill you had was not being seen, and now the skill you have to have is being seen. And so we realize that trying to make those transitions is really hard for almost everybody I know. Mm-hmm. So if we if we create a situation that just allows you to just relax and naturally be seen and let your brands be seen and let the products be seen, everybody looks good like that. You know, sensationalized TV sucks. But when regular people are doing real shit, it always looks good. And I, I learned that from so many uh, high-level camera guys that I've met mm-hmm. that they're just like, man, at some point when people can actually see cannabis people doing their thing in real life, they'll get to appreciate it. I realize that that's what needs to be seen is that it's it's regular people, people that we're all we're all the same, mm-hmm. and we all get to take a look at some really high quality and understand what it is and use normal language and it allows regular individuals to get the spark and then they can go and dig as deep as they want. But I just want people to be able to understand the appreciation for the for the for the flower and for the for the cultivators and all mm-hmm. the work that was required all these decades to get it to this level. Sure. So hopefully that's the you know what people see. You know we got a we got a good wish. Yeah, no, you're doing a good job. Uh, I mean, it's one of those. Uh, what year is Thank this now? You. Is this the fifth year or seventh year or sixth year? How many years have you been doing the Golden Tarp now? Well, oh, the, this is the shit. This is the, this is the fourth year. Of the oh, tarp. fourth, fourth. Okay, was, yeah, nice. Yep, yeah. fourth year. Yep, just the fourth year. Isn't so, that crazy? We invented the first light depth cup. Yeah. First turp cup, and then four years later, all there is is light depth and turps. <laughs> so, you know, Christ, talk about pace. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and and a little forethought too. So. Um, Cool. Well, I'm gonna uh, let you get back to uh, grinding away out there, and uh, I will see you in a couple. Of, you'll obviously be at the Emerald Cup, so I'll be seeing you out there. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm a child, so I'll swing by and check you out. I'm speaking on Sunday. Nice. I'm on a killer panel, so I, I'm doing a panel on Sunday, and then I'll, I'll swing by and check you out at your, at your, at your booth, and we'll get the hang for a second. That'd be great. Sounds and awesome. thanks so much for letting me be on the show, man. It's a uh, it's a course. privilege because you do the same thing too, man. You you drive in a really good, solid agenda and. It, it makes it makes all of us look better. Well, so I, I, I don't know about I don't, I don't know about that, but <laughs> at the same time, once I'm hearing about multi angles and all this awesome stuff, I'm like, don't even look at my show, man. I got one angle, I got one angle, and it's not that great. But no, uh, <laughs> awesome, Kevin, to get you on the show. You're always great guest. Um, I know James wanted me to give you a heads up. But he he's like, I love this guy. He sent me a text a minute ago. Say hi for me. So James from Seeds here now. He's giving you a shout out and oh, right on man, right on. Tell him say what's up, man. Thank you. I will. And we still have hey, we still have banner space available too, man. If anybody wants to still get in on the digital, they can just hit up admin at the dot com. Nice. And they can pop on the 
the the overall coverage of this thing should be ridiculous. I'm, it makes you kind of nervous because you know I'm, I'm ugly in person. I'm gonna be really ugly with a couple hundred thousand people. <laughs> what's uh so um what what's the expected? What do you think? What are you what are you shooting for? You got any kind of uh, you know that's a good question. I I I I don't know because we've never done something to this level. And so we have all these satellite locations all in different states and mm-hmm. where people we know that are grower groups that are going to they're going to put it on at their spot. We have actual uh, uh clubs in San Francisco that are going to show it Fiori is this uh, beautiful spot in Frisco they're going to put on a big viewing there. Nice. And these little satellite parties so they can watch it live and Cool. That's I don't great. know. That's I a, don't really know. I I, I, like it. I, like this. I don't idea. know how to really gauge it. So it, it's it's scary, you know. I'm 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 nervous, but I know that it's an inevitability for us here in Humboldt. But the world has to see Humboldt because we're 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 isolated to come to. And if we can show you what we're like from this perspective, then mm-hmm. when people do get a chance to come here, they'll enjoy the experience a lot more. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys got to preserve uh, this and like this sort of uh, original vibe. That's kind of quickly like we see eroding and the thing about light depth is that's always been it's all the outlaws that have kind of like you know the people who are smart also the growers that kind of like said like i'm gonna get the most out of this fucking thing i can and then on top of that you know obviously the conditions where you live help out a lot like colorado doesn't do enough light depth that's one thing i'm always like wow for a state that has so much you know uh sun at so many days of the of the year it's like a lot less people here uh take that risk you know what i mean because they just kind of but you guys are in a in a beautiful spot, and it's good to see uh, you're doing some great work. Thank you so much, man. It's been it's good it's good to be on the show and be part of a, a killer culture. Still, cool. the, our culture's not gone. It, just, it, it no. resides within us, you know. So you holding it down, I'm holding it down. We'll do it, and I'll see you in a couple weeks at DC. It's going to be a killer event this year. Yeah, it is. Thank you, man. Take care. Awesome, brother. Behave. All right, peace. Yep. So that was uh. That was cool, and the robot stuff, uh, I'm sorry, guys, about that. I'm sure you could piece together. It's kind of nice to try to figure. Some of it you can figure out. You're like, oh, I know. A little it. mystery. Yeah, it adds a little mystery to the whole yeah. show. You can listen to it multiple times, try to figure it out, decipher it for us. <laughs> um, so uh, Kevin Jodry from Wonderland. He's always a good guest, right? He's, he's, oh, he's, he's got great knowledge. You know, He's out in Northern like, California. Like he's, firing, is... he's, he's also firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's like between Jack... And him, the same kind of combo, you know. Uh, so it's good to talk to Jack's brother, Mark. Oh, brother, son, Mark. And uh, I keep saying brother. I'm like, darn, brain dead. Uh, sorry about that. If I did say it in the beginning, it was just because I was thinking like five different things. I was thinking of robot voices. Every time I heard robot voice, I was like, oh, no. Robot, <laughs> robot yeah. voice. Brain stops. Um, so next week we're going to have New Millennium on the show in the studio. Um, nice. And... About it. And that's the big whoop, and then catch the Golden Tarp Awards on tarp. Uh, Saturday. That's the day after, right? The day after, yep. Pretty cool. Next, next Saturday. Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll do a little update on the show then. And um, thanks to KTI for rolling through. Thanks to MTI for making it happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I, heard, I saw you got some of the shows up. Yeah, all the shows should be up. Uh, there's two episodes from live stream I couldn't get, and they told me, tough. Tough? So, tough. Really? They said I had a, a month. 
Yeah, I got a big old, like two years ago. So I got a huge update on my podcast. Like it started ding. It was like, oh, you got like a hundred new episodes or something. Yeah, I know. So I, everything should be current. Oh, everything wow. should like, be yep, updated. That's, that's for, a major news right there. So it wasn't like a hundred. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> There's a few. It so was a whole forty lot. or something. Yeah, yeah. SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, and uh, YouTube all have them. And then uh, I still got to go back and look at all earlier episodes to see if, if there's more posts. But it's Thanks pretty for, damn current. Thanks for current. hanging in there, guys. I know I I was I'd be like looking at it and I'd be like, what the god? Ah, the same episode. Like, yeah. so now it's uh fresh. I heard my thing dinging last night. I was like, ding, 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 ding. So, yeah. yeah and so. it'll be dinging soon after. I'll post it uh, once we get off. Okay. So. Awesome. Awesome to hear. And then uh, what else we got coming up besides Emerald Cup in a few weeks? Oh, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to this um, MJ BizCon. Thing. You do the big one? Yeah. Yeah. Go check that out. Um, so yeah, I'm out of here on Monday. We'll see. It's always, it is literally what it sounds like. You know, Biz and a con, you know, eight hundred and fifty bucks for a fucking ticket. I was like, holy shit, I ain't paying. That. I am not paying that. Do you have your suit picked out? I got my suit. So I, I got the suit, and then you just okay. kind of, yeah. Once yeah. you have a suit, you can walk right past. Yeah, yeah, suit. suit, suit guy. Shoes polished. Of course, <laughs> of course. At the MJ BizCon, you have to be in full full regalia. Uh, all right. Well, thanks guys for listening. Uh, thanks to Caesar now for getting in. Mark Herr, Jack's son. I'm gonna say the word son. Uh, and uh, also for uh, jumping in on the show for a minute there and helping us out. So, cool. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Keeping it kind of short today because we got got lots to do. Got, I got a whole bunch to do. There's work to be done. Work to be done. It's cold in here, too. We have to figure out. We're going to come up. I think in the next couple of weeks, we will be in a new studio, though, too. We got a new spot. So. Okay. KG has not. None of these guys have even seen it yet, so it's going to be amazing. Well, that'll be good. I look forward to hearing about it. And seen it. You'll be there. Don't you worry. Well, we good. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, talk to you in a week. Peace. Peace. Practically every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own hidden we don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sensimedia. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it...